Thanks for listening and thanks for your interest in learning from mistakes. I'm Mark Rabin. Did you know I can help your organization on this journey of cultivating a culture of learning and innovation? I can be a trainer, coach, and advisor on topics including psychological safety, problem solving, and continuous improvement. I can add value to your management team meetings by speaking and facilitating discussions on these important topics. To learn more, visit markgraben.com or email me, mark at markgraben.com. Let's improve together. Episode 232, Journalist Annie Crowell. It'll definitely touch on TV and me not being able to uh, press send when I'm supposed to. So that's probably the best tease I can do. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. To learn more about Annie and her work, look for links in the show notes or go to markgraven.com slash mistake 232. As always, thanks for taking time to listen. Thanks for being here. And now on with the show. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven. Our guest today is Annie Kral. She is an adjunct faculty member at Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism, Media, Integrated Marketing Communications. She is also currently a radio news anchor for WLS Radio in Chicago. She was previously an on-air TV reporter in Green Bay, Wisconsin for the ABC affiliate there. So before I tell you more, welcome to the podcast, Annie. How are you? Thanks so much, Mark. I'm so excited. The title sounds very impressive. So I'm glad we're chatting because you make me feel good about myself immediately off the bat. This is great. Well, I'm going to make you feel even better. I'm going to read a little bit more about your background. And and, and I know that's going to be part of our conversation here today. Um, Annie is a a fellow Northwestern University alum. We met recently at an alumni leadership symposium. Um, So Annie earned uh, her bachelor and master's degrees from NU. Um, She covered in Green Bay uh, breaking news. Uh, She covered the Ryder Cup. She covered the Packers. Was most of the breaking news, I'm going to interject with a question, was most of the breaking news Packers related? Honestly, that's the thing, Mark. I was the reporter on duty when it was Aaron Rodgers coming forward that he was immunized versus vaccinated when it was the COVID-19 sort of discussion. And very long story back at Northwestern, I was accepted to medical school. So I was almost typically always the medical reporter when it came to a lot of that Green Bay news. So that was a breaking news story like nobody's business because it was Aaron Rodgers, it was Packers, it was medical, it was COVID. So yes, a lot of breaking news with the Packers, especially with the sports and all the deals that were exciting when Aaron Rodgers is at the center of the stage. Well, that, that was certainly right up your alley. So, you know, the rest of your bio touches on those two things. Um, Annie uh, has written and produced for ABC News on uh, medical and business units for shows including Good Morning America, World News Tonight with David Muir in 2020. She also started as a competitive golfer at the age of six and is now the entertainment golf correspondent for the LPGA, where she helps spotlight celebrity women who either play or have had their lives changed by the sport. So um, I'm sure the audience is wondering, will the favorite mistake story have anything to do with golf? 
with medical school, with, with TV. And um, I've, I've heard the story, but I'm going to admit to you, Annie, when we were together in Evanston, I, I had a serious case of like some of that onstage adrenaline really? where I had spoke. I was a speaker for 15 minutes before we went to the panel. I don't know how well I was listening, to be honest. I was oh, just- but see, that is the so classic of you're like, okay, I'm, I want to make sure I have my good question next. I want to make sure I have my right anecdote. Uh, so, I mean, Mark, you were talking for a lot longer than I was speaking at all. So don't beat yourself up about that at all. I'm happy to rehash what my favorite mistake was. It'll definitely touch on TV and me not being able to uh, press send when I'm supposed to. So that's probably the best tease I can do. Yeah. So um, I, I'm I'm back in my my more familiar surroundings here, doing the podcast thing. So so Annie, uh, if you would for the audience, and it's coming back to me now. Um, what, <laughs> what would you say is your favorite mistake? Absolutely. So I think my favorite mistake, and I remember when you were talking with me, Mark, uh, at the Leadership Symposium for Northwestern, which I will throw in the Go Cats as quickly as possible. So Go Cats, that had to happen eventually. Uh, When we were talking at Leadership Symposium, I'm not used to talking about my mistakes, especially coming from Northwestern, which again is an incredible university and you have so much success surrounding you. You sort of get trained at a very young age that you achieve at a very high level. And I love Northwestern. It's been one of the best parts of my entire journey, academically, professionally, personally. Uh, But I also was sort of brought up in the Medill era of the Medill F. And I think that for those listeners who don't know, and Mark is nodding, which I appreciate, the Medill F is a factual or statistical error in a piece of publication, uh, an on-air broadcast, anything sort of that you publish that is wrong. And typically it's a misspelling or of someone's name, a place, let's say you use statistic, Northwestern, let's say is the number nine university in the country and you call it number 12. First of all, you'll get very mad responses from a lot of alums. But second of all, you would get listed as a Medill F because we're nine instead of 12. So the Medill F kind of has that factual error happen. And then you get a zero on the entire assignment, project, whatever it may be. And this is something that a lot of Medill professors have started to go away from, but it's something that I was taught at a very young age. Um, So I kind of understood that it's really important to get everything right. The spelling of someone's name. So my name's Annie Kral, K-R-A-L-L. If you miss an L, if you put an O in there, that's not supposed to be there. Uh, I take that very seriously. And I think that makes you a very good journalist because you double check your work really closely. Uh, again, there's a lot higher stakes when you're out in the real world, but as an adjunct faculty and professor, I, I would say I probably put that very forward in a lot of my lessons with my students is, hey, you can't misspell someone's name. You can't misspell a place wrong. You have to double check your statistics, even if it takes you the extra on Twitter, again, X sometimes, take the extra five seconds, 10 seconds to double check your work so that you don't have to go back and do a re-edit or republish or whatever. So with that as my background on mistakes and trying not to make them, this is the time that I did make a mistake. So I was reporting in Green Bay uh, for ABC, as you so nicely alluded to. And I was a news reporter, sports reporter. I kind of ran a lot of different worlds, which I love, and it's one of my favorite things to do. And so I was covering the girls' state basketball tournament back in about 2021. If anyone's a high school basketball fan or if anyone has like a very highly competitive high school child in sports, uh, I had never been to a high school basketball tournament before, especially at the state level. 
And I was shocked. It was like a WNBA game. It was like an NBA game. It was just packed wall to wall in Green Bay. And so I was like, this is amazing. This is so cool. I'm so impressed. Again, as you said, with the LPGA, I'm a huge proponent of women in sports. I also have a twin sister who was a coach for the Boston Red Sox last year. Oh. Uh, Katie Crawl, awesome wow. Eastern graduate. She's very I, cool. Sorry to interrupt. I remember I, I, I have read, I mean, that was very newsworthy. Mm-hmm. So sorry to interject, but... Yes. No, I mean, that is, that's my, yeah, that's my background. That's my twin sister. And so if that is kind of like the environment that I am a part of all the time, of course, I'm going to step into a girls basketball tournament and be like, this is amazing. I'm having so much fun. But again, I'm on the job. I'm on the clock. So somewhere around, I would say noon of that day, I was going to be on the four o'clock news. I was going to be on the five o'clock news. And I think I had something a little small for six and, you know, I was, oh my goodness, I have to get back to the station. I'm shooting all this B-roll. I'm shooting all these interviews. I have to go back to the station, edit everything together and then come back out and do my live shot. So lo and behold, it's about one o'clock. I'm back in the station. I add everything together, come back to the stadium, which is about 15 minutes away, uh, do my four o'clock live shot goes perfectly well. Amazing. That's not the mistake. That's not what we're worried about. Five o'clock rolls around. I'm changing up a little bit of my package and I won't get too deep into the weeds of video journalism because again, no one's in my class at this moment, so they don't have to worry about this. Uh, but I'm putting together my piece for the five o'clock news And think of it like attaching a file to an email. I had attached the video that I needed to the email to send to my producer, to my director, because what happens then is once the reporter like myself puts the video together, attaches the file, hit send, master control has the means to put it on the air, hit live, hit play. So it's five o'clock, maybe 445. I'm getting ready to do another live shot at five o'clock. I have my producer in my ear. If anyone knows what an IFB is, that's what you see on World News Tonight with David Muir. That's kind of the earpiece in. So I hear them in my ear. Uh, And I just said, oh, you know, producer, do you see my package? Do you see it in there? They said, no, I don't see it. And I think my whole stomach just dropped because I was like, what do you mean? I I thought I had sent. I thought I sent it. And I had never not gotten my package, my video in on time. It just had never happened. I, again, I'm coming from this Medill background of you always make your deadlines. You always hit what you have to hit. And all of a sudden somebody doesn't have something that is very much my job. Like my whole job is making sure that video is there. And so my producer says, no, we don't see it. And I just said, oh my goodness, I think I sent it. My laptop's a mile away. I don't have time to go back in the next 15 minutes to try and resend it. What do you want me to do? And I think that was so jaw dropping for me to be like, I don't know what to do in this situation. And I think, again, with you and myself coming from Northwestern, you always feel more times than not prepared to try and figure something out. Problem solve. What can I do? Let me go around and try and figure stuff out. Uh, And I didn't have any answers. I didn't have a single answer in the room. And I remember my producer kind of went quiet for a second and then popped back in my ear and said, don't worry about it. We're just going to switch up your four o'clock and we're going to put that on the five o'clock. And it was such a simple nonchalant answer, but it kind of was, it was earth shattering to me to be like, oh, so I messed up. I made a mistake. Apparently I didn't hit send on that email I should have hit send on and you can still fix it. You can still make it work. So I think the perspective that I learned from that mistake was it's okay. And I think that is just so surprising sometimes is just the perspective that you get from messing up once. Uh, And I think also the fact that I do now always press send, double check, triple check, uh, because I don't want to have that stomach dropping moment again to what do you mean you don't have my video? So I think that was kind of the perspective and just the becoming expert on double checking, especially that last step was really important and really powerful in that moment. Wow. Was um, was it type of thing where like you know we all have the risk of misclicking, 
Right? <laughs> like the cursor was just off the send button a little bit. And you're like, yeah, send, slam the laptop down. Or No, it's so funny. It's not do it. It was more so just like a, I was not used to being so close to my deadline, but I think because I was having so much fun at the basketball tournament and then it was kind of close to airtime, I didn't even realize that the send button had not been hit. I wish I could say it was like, oh yeah, you know, the cursor was probably off and I missed it. I just think I was moving and shaking too fast and I just didn't take the extra five seconds that I now teach my students to do and make sure it hit sent uh but no i wish i could totally blame it on like a technical difficulty it literally was just like me rushing Mm. (laughs) well so i mean that that is very much you know human nature Mm -hmm. um especially when we're rushing we might you know forget a step and Mm -hmm. yeah so then you always kind of think back to so what can you what can you do about that? Yeah. Um, you know, in a lot of industries where where the stakes you know are really high, people might literally have like you know a paper checklist mm-hmm. where you kind of go through and like literally check the boxes or you know use an app on their on their phone, mm-hmm. you know, just to to make sure. No matter how many times I've done this, I mean, like, I make all kinds of podcasting mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'm having a checklist. Sorry to go into advice mode. You didn't ask for advice. No, I need, is this, this is for Mark? Are you not the expert on like making mistakes, but also how to not make mistakes? Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think through, you know, because our, our intent to be more careful, well, mm-hmm. you know, that, that can be hard to do. Again, we get distracted, something happens. Mm-hmm. I imagine in the world of breaking news that there could be a lot of um, distraction or interruption that mm-hmm. throws us off. You know, and I've, I've found anyway, like doing things like, um, webinar production when there's some last minute problem or crisis or whatever, like that's when the checklist, boy, that, you know, that's where it really comes in handy because you're, you don't have your head about you in in the middle of that stress. Absolutely. And I think what's also interesting too, and I know we were kind of going back and forth on leadership symposium is just like the gravity of your mistake. So definitely a checklist when you're trying to put together a story for video or for broadcast or put together a podcast, you know, worst case scenario, you and I look at it and we're like, Oh, I don't love that. I could have made that better if I had just gone back a second. Uh, but think about doctors, right? And I know you work a lot in the healthcare field of how much pressure and responsibility you have, where if you do make a big mistake, someone can get really hurt. And so I think having that perspective as well, as I've gotten older and again, kind of working outside of the medical field, which I very much almost did, uh, that is another really important component of these mistakes is that you and I are just worried about our finest product and making sure our listeners and our viewers are uh, getting the best work that we can possibly do as opposed to with a doctor. It's okay. I'm going to make sure that you stay alive because that is my job. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's different circumstances and, maybe a different level of rigor, you know, mm-hmm. that that's needed. I mean, I, I think, I mean, it, it's interesting that you said part of the perspective was mm-hmm. uh, paraphrasing back to you. Um, you, you made a mistake. Um, someone helped you out. Life went on. You survived. <laughs> it. And I, I don't think that would then make you tend to be sloppy. Right. right. I mean, it seemed like it taught a valuable lesson um, where it wouldn't make you say like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Someone will bail me out. That didn't seem to be the perspective that you got. Can you imagine, Mark, if that was my, oh, you know, there always will be a parachute. That sounds like a horrible strategy for any kind of career, but especially for news. Yeah, yeah. Someone else will be smarter than me. Someone else will figure it out. <laughs> um, well, I think it's interesting, you know, what you what you talked about um, on campus and what you've shared here today, you know, about Northwestern people not wanting to um, admit mistakes or like there's mm-hmm. that like high achiever 
dynamic um, where, um, you know, I think part like to me, and I, I would agree with you. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing purple. I love my time at Northwestern. It is really made such a big um, impact for me, but it was one of the first times where I really like, I'm going to say it. I don't mean it's not obnoxious. Like I really faced some academic challenges at points. I never, I never failed. I never got in the F. Um, but boy, there were some classes that really made me start questioning. Did I make the right decisions academically? Isn't it funny though? Because at 18, you know, maybe you've had some challenges in high school, whatever it was, but I think so many of us, and I probably could do a statistic that's like 85% of Northwestern students don't feel as smart as their peers. I just, I think there's a very special, and I always like to call them almost the thoroughbreds, right? The thoroughbred student of, you know, I'm going to be the best at this. And if I'm not the best at this, I'm maybe going to pick something else. Uh, I do think, and it doesn't have to be as dramatic as, oh, I got an F or I failed out of this class or I had to switch my major because it was too hard. But for the first time in your life as an 18, 19, 20 year old student, you're not the smartest person in the room and you're not going to be the person who's always going to get an A. I mean, I was taking organic chemistry and physics and for whatever reason, I was good at biology and that was the one that was good. I was getting B's and in high school without sounding too egotistical, like I, I didn't really get B's. That's how you get to Northwestern is because you don't get B's. <laughs> right. uh, and so I think that was a really interesting kind of frame of mind is I'm not the smartest person in the room and that's okay. But you also have the cachet of being like, okay, I'm at Northwestern. There's probably a lot of really smart people here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be just fine. Yes, I mean my my worst was a C minus in one of the advanced Ooh. calculus classes, which made me think like, I should have. Like, Mark, what were you doing in that? Not understanding, <laughs> being very confused. <laughs> very confused, but oh, um, you know, smart people can struggle in classes. But you know, back to mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, Smart people make mistakes because, again, I, I don't like the phrase dumb mistake because I'm like, well, it's not really it's not about being dumb. It's about different factors back to human nature. If we get fatigued, we get distracted. We're under time pressure. Um, smart people make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But smart we might be. Mistakes. Yeah. I mean, the number of mistakes outside of like my professional world, the number of mistakes I would make in like lab, you know what I mean? Where it's like, Oh, I measured the wrong thing or I screwed this on too tightly. And it's not a dumb mistake. I remember I was in an organic chemistry lab and I had one of my best friends was my lab partner. And I don't think I ate that day or something. And I like forgot to screw it on. I remember the professor came over and was just like, wait a second, why is something bubbling when it shouldn't be bubbling in the microwave? And so it's just little things like that where it's like, did I sleep enough? I love that. You're, that's such a good point, right? Did I eat enough today? Did I have a fight with all of students all the time who will be like, you know, I had a really hard exam the night before. I have a really hard exam coming up. Like, I'm so sorry, I can't do this exercise, whatever it may be. Um, there's just so many factors. I do think dumb mistake is silly because it's not that you're dumb. It's that it's this infinitesimal small thing that you can't control. That's kind of throwing you off your game and not making you your best self. Yeah. So I, I would like to come back and talk about the Medill F a little bit mm-hmm. more, but uh, I want I want to explore a little bit. Um, some of your, your thought process and your decision to not pursue medical school to look at at journalism. Did, did you ever worry that that was a mistake or did you feel confident that this different path was the right way to go? 
I think my favorite is when I'm sitting in a job interview with a news director and they're like, what did you do? What do you mean that you wanted to go be a journalist? Because they just can't process the fact that I would give up medical school to go and do journalism. Um, and I always make the very funny joke of I had really good parents. I ha- was very confident in what I was doing. And if my mom or dad wanted me to go to clown school, they probably would drive me and you know, be so happy along the way. So I think I was very lucky in that regard that I didn't have familial pressures to go and go into medicine. I think a lot of times I had friends who were pre-med and, you know, that's the third generation of doctors in their family. I I was not coming from that background. I was very lucky in that regard. Um, I had parents who actually were in TV, which was very fun. Now that we end up here, Uh, they met on a TV set here in Chicago. And so when I made the switch, it was senior year, Let's take it back to just kind of understand the existential crises that I ended up having of senior year of college. I'm at Northwestern. I'm applying to medical school. Luckily, I get into one. I'm very excited about that. But almost as a plan B, I had applied to Medill in the health environment and science journalism program for a master's degree. God forbid I didn't get into medical school you know, some mistake, obviously, on some admission person's part. Uh, I go, I'll go get a master's, I'll reapply to medical school, maybe I can go be Dr. Jen Ashton on Good Morning America, who still to this day is a role model of mine. But that was kind of my new dream is let me go get an MD, and then I'll go be on TV. And I'll talk about health news in that regard. Uh, I was very, very fortunate, I got into both, I got into medical school, and I got into Medill in the master's program. I was also in Weinberg. So I was in the humanities school, I was a religious studies major and a German minor. So I didn't have a journalism background. In under grad, I was very much obviously shadowing physicians and taking orgo. So I wanted to have a little bit more of a well-rounded background when it came to the humanities. And I remember I kind of got my acceptance from medical school. And there's definitely that immediate moment of like, oh my God, I did it. Like, I can't believe this is happening. And I think I was living with about six of my other best friends at the time. And we all were like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. But I also got the phone call from Medill that I was accepted to the master's program while I was leaving a medical school interview. And for whatever reason, I was more excited about that phone call than getting my acceptance letter. And I think that was really important to me, excuse me, to see just like my reaction, how I reacted to one acceptance letter versus one phone call. And so that's why I don't think it was a mistake to not go to medical school. And I've said this as the years have progressed and I've gone deeper and deeper into my journalism career is that I am so much happier being a health journalist and connecting with people in the way that I'm able to connect with people this way, because I do feel like I can do more good as a journalist with such a deep medical background or with someone who is this statistically focused, detail-oriented, everything that I brought to the table with medical school, I now get to do as a writer and as a storyteller and a content creator. Uh, So I think I can touch more lives doing this. And again, teaching and being able to do that at such a young age, I was never expecting to do as a medical student. And so I've never looked back and been like, "Uh uh-oh. And I would tell you, Mark, I would let you break the story of Annie Kroll thinks she made a mistake choosing journalism. Uh, I've just never had that thought. And I do think getting into medical school was part of this journey. I don't think it was a mistake to take the MCAT. Maybe I would have liked some more sleeping hours that junior year, but we're here now. Um, I don't think it was a mistake to do any of that because it just has made me such a better journalist person and now teacher. Yeah. And I was trying to ask it as an open-ended question. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't judging you or faulting you for. Mark, you are much nicer yeah. than most news directors who will just be like, what did your parents say? <laughs> <laughs> well, what did they say? Oh my God. They, it, it is the best advice. And this is not my advice show at all, but it was the best advice in the world. And it was, we just want you to be happy. And so 
that as a parent, and again, I'm not a parent myself, so I can't use that quite yet. Uh, but I just think that is such a fabulous mentality of, I don't feel like I made a mistake because I do feel like I'm happier doing this. And you know, not, we don't spend much time on this at all, but sadly, there are a lot of doctors who are unhappy mm-hmm. absolutely, in medicine for different reasons. And there's this, you know, I mean, I, I've met many physicians who sure. love telling people that they tell their kids to not go into medicine. Oh, my God, Mark, the number of pediatricians and cardiologists, the things that I was interested in going into, who said, oh God, don't go to medical school was almost 90% of them. So that was another indication of like, maybe this isn't the best option. Yeah. And it's because of, you know, I think all these different systemic factors, Mm -hmm. it's not because the work isn't rewarding. I think it's just, you know, the balance of just some of the BS they have to deal with. Um, A lot of paperwork I was told. And again, you're more on the front lines than I am with a lot of these companies, but it was a lot of paperwork and they said, I want to spend the time with my patients. You know, God forbid, let me spend 20 minutes with the patient as opposed to 10 checking them out and 10 doing paperwork. So I don't think you're wrong. And I would be very curious to see kind of over the next five to 10 years, how some of that feedback and better understanding of doctor burnout and obviously healthcare, mental health issues. Uh, ideally that would start to change in the positive direction. Yeah. So, um, I'm teasing this out to keep the listener in for more of the Medill F uh, discussion. We'll come back to that again in a bit. I think but see, Mark, are- be careful because then we're going to have people go into Mizzou and Syracuse, and then they're going to be like, "Oh, Northwestern sounds hard." <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's worth it. I it's think. worth it, absolutely. But I did want to ask you first, Annie, of um, being on air on TV or on the radio, and this is live. Like, what what are your thoughts about dealing? with the risk of making a mistake. Yeah, like I made a mistake at first when I was introducing Annie and I, I pulled the plug and I said, let me go back and do that again. Um, when you're live on the radio or TV, you can't do that. So what, what are your thoughts about the risk of that? No risk of going. It's, it's interesting for TV and for radio. So again, I'm very lucky that I've been able to walk in both worlds quite well um, with radio. And I've been doing that more recently with WLS radio with Chicago. Uh, if ever I trip over, let's say a word, I'm trying to think of a good example. <clears throat> or we're, we're both a little maybe allergy ish, but like, I mean, there's the risk of like, is there literally a cough button I've heard reference to? Or there do should you have be. to, have I to could turn just, off like, your microphone really quick. Um, no, but so let's, I can't, don't have a cough button on the radio. I absolutely should though. So let's say there was a cough button. Uh, let's say I'm on the radio and I mispronounce a word. Let's say it's Fullerton market and I forget to put the R in there and I call it Fullerton market. What I would typically do, and it does happen every now and again, God forbid I'm reading, you know, 10 newscasts a day and I trip over a sentence. If I said Fullerton market, and I actually ended up saying Fullerton market, I typically would instead say rather so I would almost say the sentence rather Fullerton market. And it just takes one beat or one pause just, to, say, yourself. just yeah. to correct myself. Mm-hmm. And I like that terminology. And I notice a lot of news directors who are far better than me and do this for far longer do that. And so I really liked picking that up. And it's, it's almost, it's not pulling the plug, but it's like, Hey, I just made a boo-boo. Give me one second. I know I made a boo-boo. Let me make yeah. it right. So I think with radio that works super well. Live TV, if you do make a mistake, that gets a little bit harder because they can like literally see your face and your expression of, oh my goodness, I think I just said something wrong. Wait, let me correct that. As opposed to like the thought process in radio is no one can see my face of like me thinking again. 
Uh, I was typically very lucky where I would never really flub with live TV. I almost liked, I was almost better live than I was recorded. And I think most people who like meet me in person would understand that quite well because I am very much off the cuff and I like talking to people in a very normal, typical manner. And I think when I have to sound a certain way, that's when I gets um, a little bit more news anchory, news reporter, as opposed to just like me doing the news, if that makes any sense. So I think when I would go live and maybe if I messed up more often than not, sometimes it would happen to a lot of my friends who are at like the ABC station or NBC station or CBS in Green Bay. And I remember one of my friends was talking about going live as a news reporter. And she was like, God, Annie, how are you so calm and so good live? Don't you just think about how many people are on the other end of the camera looking at you? And I said to her, I was like, I could not think of a worse thought in my head of how many thousands and thousands of people are looking at the other end of the camera at me. So I think if anything, to fight off the potential of messing off live and not doing well when like the one word rather is not enough to power you through. Don't think about the gravity of what it is that you're doing, because I always like to think, and this is like a very old tip from my mom who was on air talent and did do a lot of television work when she was my age. Uh, She always liked to say, think of like a little person on the top of the camera and just tell them what's going on, tell them what the news is. And that way it's like someone who you love or you care about. So let's say it's your best friend or your sister or a parent, Um, just tell them the news. And that's one of the things that I've always really loved about it, right? Is it's like this little person that I'm telling what's going on and it's not the thousands and thousands of people who have their TV turned on to channel two at the time. (laughs) That is going to make you feel like you're going to make every mistake in the book. (laughs) Yeah. And if it's reassuring though, um, like professionals, I mean, I listen to a lot of NPR and they stumble over a word or make a flub up and like, well, okay, they're, they're very, you know, decades of experience professionals. It's just, I think it's just, it's being human Mm -hmm. helps me at least, you know, for my little podcast here where the stakes (laughs) are lower and it's not live. Um, So, well, okay. Yeah. Even the pros make mistakes. It's okay. You have to, you just also do it too much, right? If I did, if I did one video for one week and I had a whole week to make it absolutely perfect, there would be no mistakes, Mark, but I'm going on the air sometimes three times a day when it's TV and I'm doing that five days a week. Okay. There's going to be something that doesn't hit exactly perfectly and it's okay. Yeah. Maybe it's just, I mean, maybe there's more of a fear of like, hopefully it's something that goes viral. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm, And that's what's so funny about my job in particular is that there's just so much news bloopers that I also, we talked about schadenfreude, my German minors may be coming out or schadenfreude, however you pronounce it, where it's like someone else's mess up, messes up. And then you're like, haha, that was kind of funny or entertaining for, for me. There was this one reporter. I remember I was like, just watching her. She was doing an interview with me or whatever it was. And she like bit into a piece of corn live. And so, you know, she's at a festival, it's like a state fair, whatever it may be. And she just like, for whatever reason, like halfway, like bit into it and like, didn't, completely do it. So she's just like kind of for 30 seconds, just like got this corn on the cob and the news anchors don't really know what to do with her and what she's doing. Uh, So definitely in an industry where it's just like, it's live television stuff's happening. I always find stuff like that. So entertaining or like someone walks behind you in the studio when you're like trying to do the forecast and you're like, can you not be here right now? So I think there is a little bit of entertainment value in like someone making a mistake, as long as you just don't make it the biggest deal in the world. If as long as you're not just like, like swearing on air because, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just walked behind me. I can't believe you did that. 
the more that you can be your spot on mark, like a human being about it of like, haha, that's so funny. I can't believe that happened because no one's swearing at home, right? No one's like, I can't believe they just walked behind you like that. I can't believe you didn't just like bite into the corn. They're laughing at home or they're like making a little chuckle and it might make their morning a little bit nicer. Yeah. Um, one final question when it comes to doing radio in mm -hmm. Chicago, I was, uh, watched a video. Um, I was going to say if you had the blooper reel, but there was a video of you talking about the day in the life of a news anchor and you're doing mm -hmm. the traffic and somebody who has lived in Chicago and has heard the traffic on WLS or, or other stations. Mm -hmm. Why do the traffic reports insist on using the freeway names, the Dan Ryan and the, oh. blah, blah, instead of just using the numbers, it seems. Really? Like inefficient and unwelcoming to somebody who's new to town. That's my thing is that I grew up, so I'm literally from a Northwest suburb of Chicago. So I always grew up with like the Dan Ryan or the burn. It's so funny you say that because like my twin sister will listen to me and she'll like, I'll pick up the phone after I've come off of like a radio shift and she'll be like, how's the burn looking? Even though like she doesn't care, she's not driving that day. And she just like finds it entertaining that I'm like using all these names. I don't know why, but I remember when I was like first starting to do the traffic and I think maybe I would say like the burn interchange or something. And then like my news director came up to me and he was like, Annie, just say the burn. Like it is just what is done. So I have no rationale or answers. I am just sort of like the mouthpiece of how it has been for how many decades. But then it's funny. I have friends who are in like Los Angeles and they're like, oh yeah, the 405 or whatever it ends up being. And so they're all numbers. And I'm like, I am not familiar with this. But it's always in, in the essence SNL did, you know, the, the recurring sketch, the Californians, where the time yes. and it's always the 101, yeah, the 101. The you can almost do the Chicagoans. Oh my God, Mark, that is like Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig's like absolute prime. And then isn't, aren't they the ones where they like take the chewing gum out of their mouth or they're like, and then they're like still chewing gum. Like there's just the Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig combo is just too darn good. Yeah. And I'm thinking back then I'm dating myself here, but back to uh, the super fans Mm -hmm. you, you take that accent and that vibe with trying <laughs> to give directions. That's the, the Chicagoans. That's the best way to get to Soldier Field. Oh, my gosh. Which, again, depending on the day. And now the, we're getting really into the weeds, but the Kennedy has got a ton of construction. There's only two lanes of traffic. So Kennedy is a nightmare. I mean, how much time do you have, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's it for the weather. And you'll be back in 15 or traffic. Latest here on My Favorite Mistake. <laughs> so um, the Medill F, um, and, and we had some debate. We had uh, another panelist um, who was a, a Medill graduate, and we talked about that a little bit there on campus. Uh, I talked about it with J.A. Adonde, who mm -hmm. was my guest in episode 138. He's teaching at Medill. He was on uh, ESPN, wrote for the yes, LA yes. Times, and I'd encourage people to go back and find that episode. I'm going to pick on myself, though, for a minute. So the, the other panelist, Kathy, and I think she's going to come on the podcast here. And maybe I'll bring it up in with her yeah. in, in her episode. As I introduced you all and brought you up mm -hmm. on, I, I, I said her last name wrong. Right. Which is something I take. I have a checklist almost with the podcast of ask the guest, confirm how to say their names. And I did not do that. And, and and then when she had the chance to introduce herself, she corrected me. Mm -hmm. So do I get a Medill F for, for that whole performance? You know, what's so funny is that's sort of the difference between like TV broadcast and radio versus print, right? Because you wouldn't have misspelled her name wrong. It's spelled correctly. Uh, I don't know if as a video journalism professor, 
it gets tough there. I don't like giving Medill Fs anyway. I've never given one. I've been very lucky in that regard because I think my students know I like share my horror story and they're like, you're right. We're not going to do that. Uh, would you have gotten a Medill F for mispronouncing someone's name on air? Maybe Mark, yeah. kind of. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying it wasn't devastated. I'm just wondering what the rules would have been. I'm clearly not a professional. Because that's the thing, right? If someone pops on the air and they're like, instead of saying President Joe Biden, they say President Joe Biden, I would probably be like, hey, (laughs) that's not my favorite thing I've ever seen. (laughs) That seems like kind of a knowledge gap. (laughs) You never know, Mark. Sometimes kids are really tired and then something just pops out and you're like, that was not your finest. (laughs) So, So I'm curious then to hear more. So I... It's what I hear you saying is that uh, as a professor, giving a Medill F, or whether you do it mm-hmm. as a matter of policy or not, that mm-hmm. is a choice, not a requirement. It's not mandated by the dean that thou shalt. It's more of no, it's tradition. It's so interesting. So I was kind of educated about this. It's I would say tradition. So I got my master's from Medill in 2020. Again, a very weird year to get a master's, um, but so I got it in 2020. So again, not super long ago, relatively recently, which is why I don't feel like I'm giving out of date information. I'm just lived experience. And so as I've been teaching sort of in 2022 and in 2023, I remember I was starting with a video journalism class and a professor um, who actually was one of my professors when I was here. She was sort of the person, let's say team captain of the video journalism lab instructors. And I think I was just sharing a story about, you know, make sure you always double check your stats, Medill F. And it was to like a big room of students and we keep going. And then afterwards, she kind of pulls me aside and she was like, hey, Annie, I just kind of don't really use the Medill F. I don't like that terminology. I don't want students to feel that anxious about making a mistake. And so she doesn't really use it. And ergo, she probably doesn't encourage any other video journalism professors to use it. So I think for whatever reason, and I personally have never given one, even though I am like very strict about like, make sure your names and your stats and your places are all correct. um, I've never had the reason to, which is also nice. I don't know if it's as mandated as before. And again, I don't know if it was mandated because I wasn't teaching back in 2020 or 2019 when it was like, hey, if it's a, it's a thing, it might be almost a cultural sort of understanding or participation. I would you probably have to do more of a survey of like what professors do give it versus do not. I would probably land in the do not. The video journalism team captain would land in the do not. Um, but I would be I would never want to say like, oh, no, no one gives them a DILF anymore because people have been teaching there for quite a while. So I am not the expert yeah. on what the exact bylaws of that F would be. I think about two years ago when I interviewed uh, J.A. Adande, he was in the I Give Medill F's camp. I don't think he took any great joy in it. In fact, when he was teaching at USC, if I remember right, he tried bringing that into USC where it was not a cultural norm. If I remember (laughs) right, it did not go well. Mm-hmm. I but J.A. was one of my professors. I mean, he's fabulous. He's his resume just absolutely speaks for itself. And that doesn't surprise me. He also works in the sports world in the same way that I do, where you don't get stats wrong. You don't mispronounce someone's names because like that is your bread and butter with sports. Again, obviously, there is that storytelling component. But if someone's third in the league versus fourth in the league, that makes a difference. So and he also has a very high caliber of students. and He wants to make sure that they're going out into the world. Case in point with that understanding of the gravity of what you do as a journalist matters and you have to make sure that you're pretty much on top of your game the whole time. Yeah. And then like, you know, culturally, when you think of, especially when a student becomes a professor Mm -hmm. and this kind of gets passed along and 
it's a mistake to bring up this word in the context of recent history with Northwestern mm -hmm. University, where I would have been more scared to do this uh, on campus at a mm -hmm. uh, alumni event. Mm -hmm. Is the Medell F kind of like a form of hazing that gets kind of passed along like, well, it toughened me up and you know, I suffered from it. So I'm going to pass right. it on. I mean, I, I think what's interesting, and again, I'm the de correct definition of hazing. I would have preferred to like have looked up and then be able to quote back to you on what that exactly is. But in terms of like, an allegory or a metaphor for kind of what's happening with Medill, I definitely do think there's a gravity of like, this is the tradition that's handed down. It's interesting to hear J.A. wanted to bring it to USC and it was not well received because I don't think USC disagrees with the concept of make sure your names are always right. Make sure your stats are always right. That's not something that they're going to push back on. But I do think something that's very unique to Medill is just like the all or nothing of it. The fact that you're going to get a zero on the assignment. And I think I made a passing joke of like, I don't care if it's Pulitzer Prize winning worthy. If you have the mistype, does that count as a Medill F? Uh, so I don't know if I would immediately go to the word hazing, but I do think I understand kind of the gravity of you have a lot of journalists who've come through Medill and who have gone through that experience. I was very lucky when I was a student, I never got a Medill F, but I would have friends who got two. I would have friends who would get one and it would just ruin their whole week or they would just be so upset at themselves. They're like, oh, I should have known better. This was such a good piece. So I don't know if it's something that will continue. That's going to be something interesting to see. I Again, maybe we do have to do a survey of professors of who still uses the Medill F and who still does not. Um, but it would definitely take a very long time for like the Medill F mantra or ism to go away just because like it has been branded so deeply into so many of the yeah. alums and maybe even just a handful of students at this point. So I wonder what department or what degree I would have to pursue to try to make that, let's say, a PhD thesis and studying the anthropology. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? Like the anthropology. I, I was asking. I, I was asking the question because I don't know. I'm an engineer. Oh I don't know what social. Oh my goodness! No, I think like anthropology would be all over that because there's always. But it also draws me back to like how is there a Stanford class about Taylor Swift and all of her songs like in a like the anthropology department? So I feel like anthropology is just this catch-all for like I have a question and I'm going to do a PhD on it and everyone's like, please do. We're curious too. So I always have like in the back of my head of like I wish I took more anthropology classes because those yeah. sound really interesting. Yeah. Observing human behavior yes. is what that so or maybe it's 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 economics because part of me wonders when you look at outcomes, do Medill, do Northwestern Medill mm -hmm. graduates out in the workforce make fewer fewer mistakes? Mm -hmm. I make a mistake in trying to say the sentence out loud. Do they make fewer mistakes than Missouri and Syracuse graduates mm -hmm. of top-notch? journalism programs? Do they make fewer mistakes? Does the lesson really sink in? Or do you just feel like, oof, I got the gut punch of that time. I remember getting enough. I mean, you literally have just queued up someone's PhD project. I feel like that is just an amazing sort of like next generation journalism question because you do have incredible schools like Mizzou and like Syracuse and obviously like Medill. And so where do the differences lie? Where are they going into certain, I always find it so funny because obviously I work with a lot of meteorologists and Medill just like does not touch weather with a 10 foot pole, but you go to Syracuse and they have an incredible meteorology department. Um, and so I always am like, why are we all different and how are we also all similar? Yeah. Um, so I would, I think that would be, if any listener is like interested in getting a PhD, like that would be a fabulous project that I would absolutely read the dissertation on. Yeah. Someone can steal my idea, but oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I should talk, start talking to somebody about that. But I maybe mean, you know, I, I'm, and like broadcast that, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. But I'm surprised since Northwestern also has strong programs in 
um, the sciences and engineering that you think meteorology and news would 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 have a home together there in some I mean, integrated program. I don't know what it is, but we just don't do meteorology. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the McCormick School of Engineering, of which mm -hmm. I'm a graduate, it was not all or nothing. If I, mm -hmm. in some, oh, phys okay. some complicated physics problem, if I made one little flub up, I would get points mm -hmm. off. Right. You know, it wasn't an all or nothing dynamic. So that's why there, there is no McCormick F. I think there's also, but like you can show your work. And I always love that about science classes and physics was always my favorite class in terms of science because I loved showing my work, right. Of like, and also just like thinking through something. So detailed, like in such a detailed way where it's like, okay, then I arrived here and then I'm going to go this way. And with journalism, this is just like a longer conversation about journalism in general. You don't get that intent or this is what I meant, or this is what I was going for because it's so like cut and dry. This is what you said. This is what you printed. Whereas in an odd way, sometimes science just seems so black and white. You can have more of that gray play because you have shown your work and you have shown that thought process as opposed to like journalism sometimes doesn't like that gray. We like the black and white. Um, so I think that's a deeper conversation about writing and storytelling versus the mathematics and the science behind a lot of different degrees and career paths. Yeah. Well, maybe at least there's an opportunity to interview a few other Medill professors or uh, students, or we'll we'll do a panel discussion just on that. We're Maybe next, next next year at home come. <laughs> I mean, come to the Medill School and help moderate that. Yes, I would think that'd be a blast and a half. And I think what's so cool about Medill in general is just like there is that desire to have conversations like these, right? I would not be surprised if I like sat and grabbed coffee with you know someone who's in admissions or administration, and be like, "Where are we at with the Medill F? Like, what are we doing with that?" And there would generally be like a really good, worthwhile conversation about that. And I think it does go back to like the smart thoughtful kid that you accept in Northwestern, especially into like the number one journalism school in the country. You don't take slackers. You don't take people who are like, I don't know. It just is what it is. That doesn't, that doesn't fly at Northwestern, especially in journalism. Yes. That natural drive to get it right. right. Um, that doesn't get squashed or reinforced. I think mm -hmm. it probably just is. So, I um, always love to, and I don't know if this was your case when you were there, Mark, but like, and is in our DNA. That was like, so the tagline when I was applying and when I was at school and you had Justin Jackson, who again, for anyone who doesn't know, but Justin Jackson was like a huge running back for us at Northwestern. And he was like a French major and that he like loved French. And I always find that as my example of like, so entertaining, um, or you would have like a theater kid who ended up being like the captain of club tennis, like that stuff. I just love about Northwestern because it doesn't have to be like the, I am this, I am that it's very high school musical, Troy Bolton. Like I want to be an athlete and in theater. Like Northwestern is very much that energy. Yeah. That, that, that motto was after my time, but I could think back to friends of mine, a friend who was an engineering student and who was playing alto saxophone in the top jazz ensemble, which was unheard of because he was an engineer, not a music major. And you're like, God forbid your brain can do more than one thing. I think that goes back to, and I love your question about like, was it a mistake to go to medical school or to do journalism? Was it a mistake to go into saxophone and to start playing the saxophone more? Is that taking away from your engineering? And it's like, your friend probably is like, I need a break. Let me go do something else for a second. And he's actually worked quite a bit professionally as uh, a musician. So that makes me so happy. That, I love that. Yeah. Well, I guess our, our guest today has been um, Annie Crawl. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for Thank you so coming and, and having a broader 
discussion. I got you talking more than you were able to on, on the panel. So thank you. Oh thank you for doing the episode. No. And I think what's really cool is that there's such a unique concept where I've never been asked what my favorite mistake is. So you have at least found that unicorn <laughs> in a nutshell with how we can all learn from it. So you definitely have a very sort of incredible and unique setup with this kind of question and thought process and conversation, obviously. All right. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you, Annie. Thank you. Thank you so much for being Thanks. here. And we're going to end the conversation back in that very Northwesterny way, I guess, right? Go Cats. Go Cats. <laughs> As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.